0: here. Uh, It's a great morning uh, to worship the Lord. Aren't we glad it got a little warm instead of like 18 inches of snow out there? Uh, It's fantastic. So uh, we've been going through the series uh, Built to Last and we've been asking the question every week and this week is no different. The question for you is what are you building? What are you building? Are you building something that will outlast you or are you building something that is temporal and temporary? Um, Jesus uh, said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in his ministry, uh, he said, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And that's what this series is about, Jesus' words. And, and just like any Time that we get together in church, I think it's so easy to just kind of hit a pause on life and relax and take a break and, 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 and maybe meditate on, on Jesus, and I think all those things are so good and important for a Sunday morning. But Jesus words were meant to be practiced. And the hope is is that we can hear things this morning and we can think about them and we can take them home tonight and tomorrow and we can put them into practice and Jesus' words will actually change our life for the better. So this isn't just a Sunday morning thing. These words mean something and that's the way Jesus meant them. So I want to build a life that will last through the storm and I want you to build a life that will last through the storm. So let's build this thing together. Last week we talked about knowing our form and our function. And Jesus throws out this phrase you probably heard before uh, don't worry. <laughs> it's pretty simple, just don't worry. And, and we thought, we talked about last week how impossible that sounds uh, uh, to do. But he changes the perspective, and what he challenged us to do is to think about who we are whose child we are, and what we are put here to do. And once you do that, it, it kind of makes your problems seem a little bit smaller. And it gives us the ability to not have to worry anymore. This week, Jesus addresses our enemies. He addresses us and tells us what to do of our enemies. And, and if you're like me, you've probably read this passage or you've heard this passage. Maybe people have talked about it. Um, and the word enemy is kind of strong. It's like a strong word for, for me in this culture. Who is my enemy? You know, I, I live in peace. I, no one wants to kill me that I know of. If, if there is somebody, they have done a very poorly poor job of it. No one wants to kill me. No one is hunting me yet. And, 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 and all joking aside, there's, there's parts of the world where people are being hunted because of their faith. And they are being persecuted and even killed for their faith. And so when I read the word enemy, I think, oh, he must be talking about the people that are chasing Christians down um, in other parts of the world. So I I don't really have any enemies. And it's easy for me to just kind of smooth over this passage and just kind of keep going. But I'll tell you, it's not so simple. Um, Jesus had a way of saying things that just seemed impossible So when you take Jesus' words seriously in this passage, it really kind of gives you a gut check. And you go, whoa, how in the world am I going to do that? Just like the worry example, he just plainly said, don't. And I'll warn you, these words that we're about to hear, these words are designed to move you to action, and so if you hear what Jesus says this morning and you, and you take those words seriously and you feel like the burn, like the, the, the sting of them, congratulations, you're human. <laughs> They're working if they hurt a little bit. So let's take a look at them. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and it's Matthew chapter 5. I would highly, highly encourage in fact, beg you to go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in your own time throughout the week. There are things there that are hard to swallow, and it is good for us to meditate on them. Paul says uh, that he is a master builder, and that he is a master builder because God has given him the grace to be this master builder, and he instructs us to be careful. To build our lives intentionally, not haphazardly, not by accident, but to do it intentionally. And I think that means reading through this sermon from time to time and going, what did Jesus mean? So this is our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, 'Love love your neighbor and hate your enemy, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We'll just put a pause on it, right? Hang on a second. He just throws out there, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Where have we heard that before? And I'll tell you, you might assume that it's the Old Testament. But nowhere in the Old Testament is Israel commanded to hate their enemy. Never, never said. So how did Jesus come up with this? You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Where had these people heard, hate your enemy? And as it turns out, the religious leaders of the day, and even before Jesus' day, and even before the day that was before the day, were really excited about what God had asked them to do. And they made a lot of attempts to build rules around rules in order that they would get it right. It's noble intentions. But they got off track a little bit, like, unfortunately, many religious leaders do. And they had begun teaching their people, Israel, love your neighbor. God says, love your neighbor. Take care of your neighbor. Take care of your fellow Israelite. And all that sounded good. And then they they said, yeah, and and, and we're going to take such good care of our neighbors that we need to hate our enemies, right? The enemies that hate us, we hate them, and we protect our neighbors, and we protect our country. It all sounded good. So Jesus clearly says, hey, you've heard this said. You've heard love your neighbor, which is biblical, hate your enemy, which isn't biblical, but you've heard it. But I tell you, he one-ups it. And the, and the the um, the zealot Jews in the audience are like yeah I hate our enemies Rome has got his thumb got its thumb on us and we're gonna overthrow Rome and 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 but wait Jesus says but I tell you but I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven love and pray love and pray that's it Just love them and pray for them. And if you don't think too much about what that means, it's pretty, okay, yes, no problem, easy to do. And he says this interesting phrase, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So we're acting like Daddy here. We're being like our Father. We're loving and we're praying But who is our enemy? Because I think that makes it a little bit easier if we define our enemies, and, and maybe it makes it a little bit harder if we define our enemies. And, and like I said earlier, there's no one that's trying to hunt me down, uh, so it's easy to say, well, I don't really feel like I have any enemies. But have you ever had another somewhat normal adult yell at your child in public? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. That's an enemy. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I like am biting my lip, my tongue, my finger, whatever it takes to just not shout back. That's an easy one. What about that guy that's doing like 42 and a half miles an hour in the fast lane and you're late for work? Maybe not as extreme as yelling at your kid, but oh, you get a little hot under the collar. You see, enemy is such a strong word, and we can go, oh, no one's, we're not like physically fighting anyone, so I don't really have any enemies. But anyone who stands in your way, maybe stands in your way to that promotion at work. That that coworker, have you ever had the coworker that like takes all your genius ideas and then presents them to the boss like they're their own? That coworker's probably an enemy. Probably adversarial in your environment. But, but Jesus says, listen, you need to be children of your Father in heaven. And that's kind of a strange w- phrase to use right after he says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Because then he says this, he, our Father, causes his Son to rise on evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends his son to rise on the good and the bad and sends his, his rain. If you, if you live in a farming community or if you know anything about crops, rain is, like, better than gold, right? It, like, it just, it's the best thing you could possibly want at the right time. And, and God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust and the righteous and the unrighteous. So, so what Jesus is saying here is, listen, if you're going to be children of the kingdom... There's, there's something you should know about your father. This is radical. He does not love based on action. He doesn't love people based on the actions that they use. And that is a hard thing to swallow. Because for me, I tend to kind of feel like I've got all my actions taken care of. I'm not doing anything illegal. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not taking advantage of anyone. I'm not being manipulative. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm a a pretty normal guy. But God loves people based on their action. And the reason that's hard for me to, to grapple with is because I feel like my actions are pretty good. But God doesn't love me based on my actions. He loves me based on my design. He loves me based on who made me. And he made me to receive his love. And he made me in his image, just like every other human being that was or is or will be. So Jesus is saying, if you're gonna be children of the Father, you should know that, that the Father does not love people based on their actions, which is subsequently why you're loved, and and, and neither should you. So be like Daddy. Be like daddy. So he causes his sun to rise and his rain to fall on, on anyone, everyone. And then he goes on in 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you get, greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? He's saying, what sets you apart? What makes you different from anyone else? Because this is the way the world works. It doesn't matter how moral or immoral you are, how righteous or insidious you are. It's natural to love the people that love you. That's easy. I mean, even animals do that. I give my dog food and I pat her on the head and she adores me. So so what makes you different? See, the, the world works a certain way and it's been turning a certain way for a long time. And Jesus is saying, But God is different. He's different than the way things work. And he doesn't judge you based on your actions or your inactions. He loves you based on the fact that you were designed in his image and he created you to receive his love. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to act a certain way and his heart doesn't break when you act a certain way. But that's the truth of the matter. So be different than the world. Be different. Be like your daddy. And then Jesus says this thing, this one little phrase, that he, he's got me so far, but this is the hardest part to swallow of the passage. He says this, verse 48, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. What? How is that possible? How in the world could Jesus, who, who knows you intimately, who knows what you think in your head, what I think in my head, he knows me. He, he knew me before I was born. He, it's scripture says he knit me together in my mother's womb. And he knows me, and he tells me, be perfect in this, as your heavenly Father is perfect So the next time somebody mouths off to my sweet, adorable, perfect in every way child, I'm just supposed to go, let me pray for you, brother. How does that work? That's just my life. How does it work when someone is literally trying to kill me because I love Jesus? That I'm supposed to turn and love and pray for them. Just just the thought of it is difficult to, to grapple with, let alone doing it perfectly. So so where does Jesus going with this? Does he really expect us to just like flip a switch? Like the worry thing? Just just don't. Just love your enemies perfectly, like like God does. It's pretty simple. Jesus says something a little bit later in Matthew. And he, he lets his disciples in on a little bit of a secret. And, and the reason it was a secret is because Israel, like everyone, really struggles with this idea. We love being self-reliant. We love taking care of things ourselves. We love fixing our own problems and, 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 and creating things and mastering what we are. We love that. In fact, you could al- almost argue that's the American way. <laughs> We love that. So this is really hard for us, especially if you're a goal-oriented person and Jesus set a goal for you that is nigh impossible. Be perfect. Listen to what Matthew or Jesus says in Matthew 19. Now this is a story that you may have heard. I'm going to summarize it quickly. Highly recommend you go back and read it. It's Matthew 19, 16 through 26. Check it out. This is the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, hey Jesus, I kind of got it all together and I got a stack of cash. Curious to know, how do I get in heaven? And Jesus says, well it's simple, just do what the law says and the the, the, the young man says, I've done it since birth. Jesus says, great, sell your possessions, everything, give that money to the poor and come follow me. And it doesn't even say the ruler said anything. He just Kind of like, well, there goes that idea. <laughs> and, and his disciples kind of are shocked, like, well, wait a minute, like, what? And, and this is what Jesus says. When, when his disciples, or I'm sorry, when Jesus said this, this is it's a little bit earlier, 24. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Another one of those phrases, What? I don't even know what that means. Some people say, oh, there's this gate, and you would take your camels through the gate, and it was called the eye of a needle because it was really small. So it was, it, was, it was not impossible, but it was just really difficult. Okay, fine. Go with that. Or literally a camel through an eye of a needle, right? It, it doesn't matter. The point is it's impossible. And his disciples indicate this. They, they're not going, oh, yes, the, uh, the camel through that gate, that's a difficult one. Yes, I understand. It could be difficult. No, this is what they say. His disciples heard this and they said, they were greatly astonished and said, who can then be saved? It's impossible. And then Jesus' response, that's like the tip on the iceberg. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. He didn't say this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, they think, later in his ministry. But it's a universal truth. The way God asks us to live is impossible. And that's on purpose. It's on purpose. Jesus is saying, live perfectly. And when we go, whoa, who can get into heaven? Jesus goes, you're right. You can't. (laughs) That's impossible with you. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. It doesn't matter if Jesus said it during the Sermon on the Mount or, or, or not. Be perfect. That's impossible. With man, yes. With God, it's totally possible. Or with man, no. With God, yes. So what that means is Jesus, through us, has to do this. This is what this means. When you come across an adversary, the first thing through your mind should be, oh my gosh, I have no way, no ability to even come close to loving this person perfectly or praying for them even. I, want, I don't want to pray for them. I want to take a stick and, well, you know, you get the idea. That's the natural response to an adversary. With man, this is impossible. With God, this is anything is possible. So what does it look like? What Jesus is saying is, you need me so bad. You can't even do what the law said, let alone what I need you to do. You need me so bad, you can't take the next step without me. So the disciples break and they go, we need you. We need you in every way. We can't get through life without you. We can't get through the day without you. If if we're expected to live this way, we need you every breath should be you every heartbeat should be because of you every thought should be because of you because I can't do this and Jesus is going I know and I didn't design you to I designed you to need me so it comes back to who you are who you create we were created to be and what you were created to do you were created to do the impossible with Jesus through you. And that's powerful. That kind of gives me this attitude of, yeah, I got I got nothing without Jesus, but you should see what Jesus can do through me. This is why Paul can say, listen guys, I'm a master builder. I've got it. N- not because of me, but because of what God is doing through me. Paul even takes pride in what God does through him. Because he knows without him, he's got nothing. This is the idea. And I think if we take these words and we let them sink into us, it can change our life for the positive. A strong house is built by repaying good for evil and prayer for pain. That's a strong house. Think about it. It doesn't matter what someone does to you, your response is love and prayer. Could they rile you? Could they unravel you? Could they get under your skin? No. (laughs) I just respond with love, just like the Father loves. Because I don't love based on action. I I love based on what people's identities are. And that person, no matter what they're doing to me, was built and created in the image of God. And, And maybe something went wrong really bad early in life. And they made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And it led them to this horrible life. And they're doing horrible things. But they were created in God's image. And God doesn't love based on action. He loves based on what he designed. And that's life changing. So how? How do we do this? I can't just leave you with this. Yep, good luck with that. Can't do it without Jesus. See you guys later. (laughs) What does it look like when Jesus does this through you? What does your mind think and what is, how does your heart feel and what do your hands do and, and what does your mouth say when you actually are loving the person that is trying to hurt you? I can't answer that specifically for you because God has gifted you with your own skill set and your own calling and your own abilities and your own weaknesses. But Jesus said something earlier in the Sermon on the Mount that is, that is absolutely amazing. He said this in Matthew 5, 7. This is in this section where he talks about what you do in order to be blessed. And he's probably preaching in Hebrew, and the word blessing in Hebrew is also the, the word happy, which is mind-blowing. So he's literally saying, you're going to be blessed if you do this. And By the way, you'll probably be happy too if you do this. So, so listen to this. Matthew 5, 7. He just says this little phrase. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. And it's like, okay, great, I'm supposed to be merciful, and if I'm merciful, I will be shown mercy. Great, got it. But here's the thing. Your enemy is your enemy for the same reason that you can't live perfectly. Your enemy is your enemy because they have sin in their life. And and maybe they started really young (laughs) and and they've gone really far astray, or, or maybe it's literally your brother who just made two bad decisions or one bad decision, and that sin is impacting you and you guys are at odds. But it's the same thing. See, the same cancer lives in your enemy that lives in you. And that cancer is sin. And and so when someone is mistreating you, whether it's cutting you off on the interstate or trying to kill you for your faith, anything in between, When someone's mistreating you, the reason they're mistreating you is sin. And the reason you have a hard time loving them because of that is sin. It's the same cancer. The same cancer eats their soul that eats your soul. And so what you can do is you can look at them and you go, man, I I know exactly why you said that. And I know exactly why you did that. But here's the thing. The reason that you did that is the same reason I'm struggling to love you. And it's the great equalizer. And it allows us to be merciful. And this is why when people were being burned to death at the stake in the Caesar's palace, second century, third, uh, first and second century, very common, into the third century, they can literally be praying for the people that light the fire because they know it's sin that's doing it. That's how. Through the power of Jesus, through his blood, through his resurrection, we can stand free and we can say I can love you based on what you, not based on what you're doing, but based on the image that you were created in. And your sin really hurts me. And I know my sin probably really hurts you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. A strong house is built by repaying good for evil and prayer for pain. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to to just sit under your teaching. <laughs> Lord, to just to be on that mountainside and to hear your words. Uh, God, but, but we have your words written down. And that's powerful. Right? And we thank you for that. Lord, and I ask that we would take these words into our life and that we could love those near to us that are adversarial and those far from us that are adversarial. And we could love the person that strangely cuts us off in traffic or the person that is literally trying to kill us for our faith. We can do that because we know you've created them in in, in your image. And we can be merciful because you are merciful with us and you deal with our sin with mercy. Jesus, we love you. And it's, it's scary to think that we would have to do this perfectly the way God does it, God, but we know that you can do that through us. So God, we just stand here in this moment and we give ourselves to you knowing full well that we cannot live the way you've designed us to live without you. And God, I ask if there's anyone in this audience who's never trusted you for the first time, they don't know the goodness that comes from faith in you that they would put their faith in you this morning that they would reach out to you and you would scoop them up and tell them that they are loved by the king Lord give us the strength to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us give us the strength to build this life in a way that it will last to build this house strong on the rock Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.